on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and I'm really looking forward to our chat today uh, via the wonders of Zoom with Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. She's the author of the book, You're Not Broken, Breaking Free from Trauma and uh, the Way to Reclaim Your Life. She joins us now. G'day, Sarah. Hello. Very happy to be with you. It's so good to have you uh, with us. And I think this idea of uh, not being broken uh, being able to overcome things that have hurt us in life is actually relevant to all of us. It doesn't matter which part we we are in, in the spaces we are in life at the moment. We've probably all felt that at some point, or maybe we're feeling that right now as well. Uh, take us through a little bit of your qualifications first, because it's not like you just thought, well, let's write a book about this and I'll put it out. You, you've done a lot of research. I have. I worked in academia. Uh, I was funded by the UK Medical Research Council. So I did about 10 years, roughly funded by them. And I was researching PTSD uh, and and trauma more broadly and looking at the way different parts of our social life actually affect trauma and the perseverance of trauma symptoms. So I did all that academic stuff and and it was wonderful. You know, I I had, had had a great time and it was it was, it was uh, you know, it was an incredible experience speaking at conferences and all the rest of it. But we moved to Australia about two years ago and and I just felt that it was time for me to kind of step out of that space and into more of a mainstream space, which for anyone who knows me, that would make total sense because I, I've worked as a lobbyist. I've worked in communications and editorial. So I love to talk. I love to write. And, and that's where, you know, that's where that's my jam, you know, that's, that's what I love to do. So it's really nice to be communicating about something I know so much about, but in a more kind of relaxed and open and accessible way. Wonderful. Uh, And the reason to even get into that sort of essence of psychology and and then trauma, especially as well, was there um, a reason for that at the start? Or is it just sort of you got to a a situation, you got to choose a specialty, just choose one? What was the reasons around that? It was very deliberate, very, very deliberate. So I was working as a lobbyist in the music industry, uh, which was a fantastic job. Well, they didn't suit me at all because I'm just not cool enough to be in the music industry. Uh, I really wasn't, and I'm still not. I, as you I can definitely see. wouldn't. I definitely <laughs> wouldn't be. So yeah, we, we joined there. I'm far too much of a geek. So I spent a lot of my time kind of um, rather red-faced and, and a little embarrassed trying to avoid uh, stars because it just isn't the world that I'm sort of used to or suited to necessarily. Uh, but as part of that, I was working with an incredible charity called Reprieve. And they essentially bring people back from extraordinary renditions. So they were fundamental in the campaign, educating us all around what was going on at Guantanamo, mm. for example, and bringing people back and supporting people once they got here. Yeah. And the reason that the music industry got involved is because Reprieve realized that music was being used as a form of torture. Sure. So, yeah. so that was the link there. So they contacted us and said, what, you know, can you be involved in these conversations which of course we wanted to be so because I was kind of the political side of it I went along there and I met some incredible people you know I I, I spoke to some of the guys who had been repatriated back to the UK um, and and worked with alongside amazing clinical psychologists all of whom specialize in one way or another in trauma Mm. and I was just hooked you know, I was really, really fascinated. And at the same time, you know, the other piece of the puzzle is that personally, I was seeing a therapist who had said to me, look, a lot of what you're uh, demonstrating and, and describing to me makes me think that you have experienced trauma. Mm. So and, and I wasn't at all ready for it. I talk about this in the book, I essentially just walked out, you know, I was not ready to have that conversation. I was 23. Um, and and, and was it ready? 
was it that you weren't ready to to talk about it because you weren't acknowledging that that had occurred or you didn't realize that it had occurred or you just were like I'm not ready to talk about it I think it was a bit of both no I think it was total denial around the fact that I had trauma I you know and that and that really was a main motivator now as isn't this always the way in life you realize later on that everything happens for a reason then that you're you know that experience in that moment a therapist saying to me I think you might have trauma and me saying no no I definitely don't and walking out and then later analyzing that and realizing the huge fear I had around the word and therefore the huge and being able to recognize and then begin to talk to other people about the fact that yes it's a horror you know it's a scary word no one wants trauma you know it opened up this world to me whereby now you know we're now I'm, I'm dedicated to helping people kind of move past that fear and really understand it because there are so many misconceptions about what that word means yeah. you know that's the truth yeah, uh, look, that's exactly, it, you know, it, you said you, you like talking, you could be a radio host, because that's exactly where I was trying to get to perfectly, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, uh, because my understanding is, um, you're very keen on helping people to understand, maybe the definition is too cold a way of describing it, but what trauma actually means. And, and many people perhaps have different ideas and different understandings of it. How do you define trauma? The definition that I find resonates with the most people and has it's like so over the years I found it's the most human way of explaining it because so much of the way we talk about trauma is really heavy and involves a lot of quite complicated physiological language so the thing I find most people can relate to is that trauma is a reaction to any experience and that's really important so any experience that makes us feel overwhelmed threatened and out of control so those three things are the baseline for the traumatic reaction. And and, and, it, and do we need all three of those to say it's trauma or one of those? All three. Yep, exactly. Okay. All three yep. will be going on because actually those very human concepts that we can all relate to reflect what's going on in our nervous system. Because in our nervous system, our fight, flight, freeze response has been triggered. So there's so much going on there. Our body's been flooded with hormones and that's what's making us feel those things. But what I find is that if I explain about the fight, flight, freeze response, people disconnect and, and begin talking about the nervous system. I see it all the time, you know, incredible specialists in trauma. They're talking about the nervous system. And I'm like, you've lost people. Like, it's just, it's just too, I, I mean, I'm aware people understand what nervous system is, but there's something about the language, I think, that makes us disconnect. Whereas when we use those three words, overwhelmed, threatened, out of control, I think we can all relate to them. And it makes us think, okay, well, when did I feel those things? You know, and, and that and the part of the definition, so any experience also draws attention to the fact that, of course, really big, severe events can make us feel those things. You know, I'm, I'm talking bushfires, floods, COVID, you know, those big events that we all associate with trauma. But we can also feel overwhelmed, threatened and out of control in response to much more commonplace everyday experiences. And that's really what the book's about. I'm saying, you know, really think back. Did, did you feel those things in response to situations that you might have previously dismissed? Because that's what we do, but they're just part of life. Get on with it pull your socks up, get on with it, have a hot bath, as my mum used to say, and get on with it. Um, but actually, that is, that's not the right approach. What we're learning now and what I'm trying to teach people is that that's not the right uh, approach. Yeah. Is there, because as you hear that, you know, that's sort of where I, I went to, that some are surely going to say, well, you know, we shouldn't call, you know, 
somebody going off to war and having to face people dying in front of them as trauma. And yet, if my boss says to me, do this, and I feel overwhelmed and, and threatened and all those sorts of things, it's also trauma. It, um, there, there seems to be, hold on, they should be slightly different. Are you actually trying to say, yep, they're both parts of trauma, but there's a spectrum of trauma, or actually one's not quite trauma and, and, and one is? No, I'm saying that they are both trauma, but trauma mm -hmm. exists on, on a spectrum. Yeah. So this idea that there's one kind of trauma and is, is exactly what I'm disputing. So, yeah. so the analogy I always use is that I really hope that we all begin to view trauma in the same way that we view anxiety. So you've got generalized anxiety disorder up here. We all know what that is. And, and many people are diagnosed with it. And that's extreme levels of anxiety across many different situations. Right. But we also even if you don't have uh, GAD, even if you're not diagnosed with that, we all understand what it means to feel anxious, right? Even if it's event specific, even if it's just before you, I don't know, uh, have to do a speaking event or come on a podcast or whatever it might be, um, we all know what that feels like. So we recognise that it's it's an elastic concept, right? That, it, that, 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 that there are more or less severe versions of anxiety. And my hope is that we begin to see trauma in the same way, that, that yes, there's PTSD up here, and, and that tends to happen after more, not always, I would say, but it tends to happen after more extreme severe events. Um, but also, we need to look down this end of the scale and how else it's showing up in people's lives. Yeah. Dr. Sarah Woodhouse is my guest. She's the author of the book, You're Not Broken. Uh, we're talking about this idea of breaking free from tra trauma and reclaiming your life. That's the byline on this book as well. And so as we come back with Sarah in a moment, we're going to talk about, uh, okay, we've defined trauma. We're, we're talking about what that is. How do we then go from there to a state of I'm not actually broken and I can move forward? What are those steps that we need to look at? That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. Dr. Sarah Woodhouse is my guest. She's a research psychologist and expert when it comes to trauma. She's written the book, You're Not Broken, Break Free from Trauma and Reclaim Your Life. Uh, Sarah, it's just wonderful uh, chatting with you. Uh, if someone's just joined us, we were talking about before that um, we're defining trauma as any experience. Uh, that's the big or the small that might lead you to be overwhelmed, threatened or out of control. Um, and then we've said, all right, so we talked through some of that and how it's sort of a spectrum of what trauma is. There might be smaller trauma, but it still is trauma and more intense trauma. Uh, that's obviously trauma as well. And perhaps the way we've tended to normally think about it. Um, now that we've defined that, Sarah, my next step is to actually take us to the title of your book, that we're not actually broken. So what's the steps we need to go from saying, okay, I've identified that's trauma, but that might actually lead us to say, well, I am broken. Uh, so how do we get to I'm not broken? Yeah, oh, I so appreciate you mentioning the title, actually, because it's it was it was very hard coming up with a title for the book. We went round and round the houses with it. But I'm so glad that this is where we landed, because what I find is it resonates with so many people, because the truth is uh, trauma. So there's a few complicated things going on in our in our mind when when we have the initial traumatic reaction, um, not least what's going on is so our body is flooded with hormones and our mind is flooded with hormones so it affects our thinking you know and and in the, the kind of interim in the sort of period afterwards the short term it affects our beliefs and in particular our, our self-beliefs what we mm. what we what we believe about ourselves and that's very influenced by the support we have there's lots of things that can can influence that but what we find is that 
the vast majority of people who still carry trauma today have uh, some very negative self-beliefs. So, and that will show up in their self-worth and self-confidence and all of those things. And they are beliefs like I'm broken or I'm bad or I'm fundamentally damaged. You know, I hear that so often people believing that they're, they're really un, unfixable. They, they can't be healed. And the joy and relief on people's face when I explain to them and talk them through the hundreds, if not thousands of people I have spoken with over the years who have transformed. So who believed that and then healed and came to realize that they were not broken and they could be healed because it's the trauma talking. That's really the message. When you're thinking I'm, I'm broken, I'm fundamentally damaged. It's the voice of your trauma. It's not true. Uh, it's absolutely not true you know and that's a main message so I I talk about that so much and and in very spiritual terms you know about about how we can um sort of move through it and I give very sort of uh, at the end of the book there are seven steps there seven tools that people can use to to shift through their trauma and reconnect to their central strong adult self That's really what it's all about. Because if you picture the traumatic reaction, what's going on when we're triggered. So when we're reminded of a past event, we're thrown back to the the old reaction. And for many people to childhood or however old we were when the initial experience happened. So what we need to do and and we need to almost visualize is so we're thrown back into our child consciousness and we need to think of ways to reconnect and reestablish the connection with our adult self. So it's all about visualizing that and, and beginning to think of trauma in those terms and establishing ways, finding ways that we can reconnect to our strong adult self today. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, we can't go through everything in the book. That's why you've written the book. Uh, but <laughs> is there a way that, uh, you know, one or two things you can share with us just in this interview around how I can actually connect from that, you know, moving from that child self to that adult mindset? Yeah, I, one one of the most simple things that we can do is, so if we picture the, the traumatic reaction, even when we're triggered today, so it's happening in a cycle. So first of all, we experience the physical and emotional, and then it affects our thinking. And then very often it filters into our behavior. So we end up using some quite maladaptive, unhealthy coping mechanisms, even if they're minor, even if it's just like distracting ourselves with our phone or the more extreme ones like, compulsive eating or using alcohol whatever it might be so really we need to imagine that we're trying to intervene in that cycle intervene in that reaction and and what happens when that reaction goes on is our is our prefrontal cortex so this part of our brain kind of goes offline so we're not able to think straight and we disconnect from our body we disconnect from our heart center from the entirety of our body and and, and our body's there to ground us it's there to provide us with instinct and wisdom and keep us in this moment. So we kind of detach in so many different ways we disconnect. So it's about reconnecting. And one of the simplest ways we can do that is if we feel, and first of all, we need to recognize that we've been triggered, recognize when we're having a a strong uh, reaction or feeling. So, and when we do, when we notice that, okay, my thoughts are racing, or I suddenly feel really afraid, or I suddenly feel really ashamed, whatever it might be, we just pause. All you need to do is pause, and then you acknowledge and allow. So by that, I mean, you acknowledge the feelings, you state it to yourself. It sounds so simple, but 
work I've worked with so many people on this it's it's simple but it's hard because we're yeah. programmed to so we feel a negative feeling and we run the other way you just tamp it down and get on with your day you know so this is the opposite I'm actually asking you to go against a whole you know what you've learned your entire life you need to pause and you need to acknowledge and own the feeling I, I've been triggered I feel scared or I've been triggered. I feel overwhelmed, whatever it might be. You find your own language around it and you just pause and you allow the feeling, which means instead of trying to fix it, just allow it to be. Notice where it is. How, how is it showing up in your body? Does your jaw feel tense? Is, is your head tense? Is your, is your heart racing? It maybe hands feel tingly. It can show up in all sorts of ways, can't it? But you just, it, it's that process of reconnecting with our body. So we kind of drop down into the body we pause and and allow so pause acknowledge and allow they're they're the main steps so mm. so that's the first part of it really and then once we've done that then it's about reconnecting so reconnecting to our body and the present moment and there are so many ways we can do this and in the book i talk through very you know more spiritual ways that you can do that in terms of kind of meditating so a big one for me that I use personally is I picture a ball of light in my chest and I and I breathe into it and that's how I reconnect and and it's a very powerful cue for me to reconnect to uh, my body and my adult self but uh, sort of less I suppose what's the word less woo woo kind of ways of doing it we can use polyvagal breathing not sure if you've heard of that but really life-changing for so many people so a simple form of that is simply you breathe in for four right down into your belly it's really important that the breath moves through the diaphragm so you 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 know you're extending your belly so you breathe in for four and then breathe out for eight and if you can do that for a minute there's so many crazy things going on in your nervous system when when you do that essentially it, it what it does is it stimulates your vagus nerve which is uh, stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system and it it brings you right down it is so incredibly calming and powerful but i think because it's so simple a lot of people dismiss it yeah. so that's a great way to connect your body also feeling your feet on the floor that's another great one, isn't it? And also sort of reaffirming your identity. So a big one that really works for a lot of people is you quite simply say to yourself or out loud your age, you know, so for me, I'm 38, I'm living, you know, you say where you're living, say what you can see. And then affirmations. I'm a confident, strong woman. Um, I, I choose now to reconnect to my adult self. So, so it's that combination of first. So for, the first step is feeling our feelings. And then the second is about reconnecting to our body and reconnecting to our strong adult self. But I would really invite people to explore with that and play with it. They're the, they're the ideas, but, you know, do it in your own yeah. way. Yeah. In essence, the aim is to have a pause to to just stop what you're doing initially, that reaction to run, as you say, or, or, or whatever else that, that might be. I think that's quite incredible. I actually try that deep breathing. Uh, I was told, as I sat in, a, a, you know, somebody talking about that once, try and do it at least five minutes across the day as you go. And mm. it actually thickens up some of that nervous system and actually helps you pause a little bit better. I'm like, my, I, I want to do that. That's what I want to try and do. And and it certainly does make magnificent things in, in helping calm down. Um, it, and as you said, I think it's so simple and no, it can't be the case. But uh, certainly there's there's so much research to say just that. 
Uh, our guest this evening is Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. She's the author of the book, You're Not Broken. And uh, we're talking about trauma. We're going to be back with Sarah in a couple of minutes time. And I want to talk to her around, um, is our aim to avoid trauma? Uh, is that something we can actually do? Or does trauma happen to us? Is there anything that we can do to help stop trauma even occurring in the first place? And others, uh, from that perspective of the other, uh, we're talking at the moment from that perspective of us. Uh, if we know someone has a trauma, what's the best way we can help them as well? Those are the couple of questions we're going to throw at Sarah next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And my guest is a trauma expert and a research psychologist, Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. She's written the book, You're Not Broken, Break Free from Trauma and Reclaim Your Life. And it's been wonderful to talk a bit about what trauma is, that there's a spectrum uh, we're defining that as uh, any moment, any experience where you are overwhelmed, threatened, and out of control. If you have those three, it's considered trauma. We've talked a, a little bit already, Sarah, about some of the ways that we can uh, just pause in those moments when we first realize and experience we, we're going through that. Uh, and what can we do? Some of the breathing techniques, some of the things to help us reconnect in with a, a better perspective, perhaps. You talked about it from a childlike perspective to an adult way of looking at that. Um, I wanted to talk to you also around this idea of, um, you know, if trauma is these experiences that can happen uh, across the board, is our aim that we should actually be trying to avoid trauma? I suppose another way of saying that, does, does trauma just happen to us? Is there anything we can do to stop it? Well, the, the truth is, and I think a main message in the book is that trauma, we've all experienced a traumatic reaction and it's protective there are reasons for it. it's happening for a reason it's trying to protect you and you know you can't you know it's part of life so you can't stop it because it's it's a protective reaction it's your fight flight freeze reaction but you can do it right you know and that's the main message really is so much of what we do and we're taught to do makes the reaction worse not better so what I'm trying to do is say we, we, we can all stop being afraid of this. It is part of life. Let's just do it right. These are the tools we need to teach ourselves, teach our kids, so that when we recognize that ourselves or someone else is going into that reaction, we can help them. Yeah. Um, so assuming that's the case, uh, that, all right, well, we can't actually stop that happening, but we can deal with it right. Um, is there the best way to start dealing with it right in some of those different ones on the spectrum, we, we talked about a boss suddenly, you know, sort of feeling threatening in a moment, or, you know, if suddenly someone jumped out from, from behind in an alleyway, we, we'd probably pretty immediately realize we're, we're in a trauma situation. For somebody who's perhaps lived in something for many, many years, uh, suppressed it so much, and they now starting to try and identify that, is it the same concepts that we've talked about before? We, we breathe and those sorts of things, or is that more for immediate trauma that we're understanding? The, the techniques that I suggested really were to do with when it when it's triggered in your everyday today. If we're looking at or thinking about kind of more acute situations where a trauma has just happened, you know, or you reckon. So if you recognize yourself or someone else has gone into a traumatic reaction, whether that's from a big severe event or whether it's from something ongoing or a commonplace, you know, everyday event, the. the my advice would be slightly different, yeah. you know, and, and actually I, I've, I've, I'm personally so interested in this because I've got three kids 
So I have had numerous conversations with many, uh, you know, specialists who work with children um, and adults in, in, in what the appropriate acute response is. Um, and they're very clear. They all say the same thing, really, which is that it's very important that you allow the reaction to flow. So the phrase that I remember always with the kids is it's better out than in, Yeah, you know, that's the truth. So what, what we're taught to do historically is hide our feelings, right? So keep them in, stop, stop shouting, stop crying. But actually that's when, when we're thinking about trauma, that's really one of the worst things you can do. We have to allow our feelings to flow and our body to flow. Cause if you think mm. of what's going on in there, you've got this huge, huge sort of, um, flood of adrenaline and the body needs to move the body needs to do what it needs to do so if you or your children you know kind of um need to move around or run or jump you know it's easy when we think about children isn't it because you can picture it right yes they've hurt themselves and and they're doing some and and the our our instinct or a lot of parents instinct is shh it's okay it's okay calm 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 and and try and stop them moving but actually it's allowing the body to do what it needs to do and allow the feelings to flow and, 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 and trusting actually that of their own accord, if you allow them to do that, they will calm down, Yeah, you know? And of course there's a moment that we may need to intervene if they're unable to do that because some can't regulate. Um, But it's sort of knowing when to, and certainly in that acute phase, just allowing them to do what they need to do. Yeah. And I'm fascinated also, we, we've talked a lot, and I think it's appropriate that we've talked about what we can do uh, to help ourselves in that trauma situation. This is if I'm going through this, this is how I should behave. We started touching on it there as we talked about from a child's perspective as a parent, you know, we, we need to let them run. When we're talking about other adults, other you know, work colleagues, friends, family, and, and we realize and recognize they're going through a traumatic experience or perhaps they're they're starting to experience the trauma that they went through might be a better way to put that um what's the best things that we should be doing how do we help that um and make sure i suppose we don't hinder it too yeah so it's a really key piece of the puzzle actually and if if not the the piece you know it's it's so major because trauma tends to happen so the reaction we become stuck in the reaction often not always but often because of the reaction of those around us. And what I mean when I say that is it's if our feelings and our experience hasn't been validated. So what we need to do, whether we're talking about children or colleagues or a partner, whoever it might be, or ourselves, I would say, the most loving thing that you can do and to ensure they don't become stuck in that reaction is to validate what they're feeling. And quite simply, that means recognizing. So, So you know the phrase, feeling seen, heard and understood. Really, that's what it's about. So that's how we want to to make people feel. And that will allow them to understand the experience in a very deep way. Rather than blaming themselves, they're going to have a sort of frame of reference for it. And quite simply, it just means saying, I see that you're really afraid. You're really frightened right now. I really get it. I'd be frightened too. It's just repeating back to them what they're experiencing. And it's really powerful. And Mm. and we need to do that with our children. And we need to do that with other adults and with ourselves, you know, which is why if you think about it, that pause, acknowledge and allow, that's what we're doing. We're validating our feelings. And it's a very powerful mechanism uh, that that prevents low self-worth. And and I won't go into why 
not validating our feelings leads to low self-worth, but it's proven time and time and time and time again. So that is the most critical thing. And it allows people to understand the reaction and then begin to shift out of it. Yeah. Um, Is it a a, a real and and fair fear for somebody who's trying to deal with the trauma? Because I I would imagine most would think, well, if I start dealing with it, if they've bottled it up on purpose, I'm going to, I'm going to feel even worse as I go through this. Um, and I would imagine some people would that as they, they start dealing with some of this trauma, it's going to take them to places they don't want to go to uh, because it hurts so much. Um, that seems to be the thing that might hold people back. Uh, perhaps a simple question. Is that true that it will take us to places that might hurt more? I think inevitably it does. I think, I think it would be, you know, dishonest of me to say otherwise. Um, remember trauma is on a spectrum. So it's not for everyone. It's certainly not going to be an extreme sort of reaction or, you know, they're not, they're not going to unpack things that are extreme necessarily. But I would say for anyone who is wanting to do this work and wanting to move through it, yes, there will be moments of uncomfortableness. And I think one of the main problems really that I see around me is our absolute sort of inability to accept the uncomfortableness of life even quite beautiful feelings sadness you know there's there's just a move to push them away and I suppose really what I'm saying is we need to stop because it's causing problems the uncomfortable feelings it's okay you know if you can move towards them and begin to unpack them you can grow you can transform actually you know, I talk a mm. lot in the book about post-traumatic growth. This is a very, very, very real thing. And it's a beautiful construct. Uh, and we observe it in, in between 50 and 70% of people will experience trauma and then can grow from it in one way or another. Yeah. So it's it's across the board. That's what we want to do. We And so many of us naturally do it. We develop resilience from these moments in life that were painful, but it always involves an honest look at it. It involves lifting the lid and saying, okay, what's going on here? So if we want to be part of that 50 to 70%, I know that it hurts, but, but that's what growth is, right? Yeah, Gro- growth right. is change. Growth can be uncomfortable. It yeah. doesn't mean that we, sh- that we don't need to do it. It doesn't mean that we won't reap the rewards further down the line. Yeah. And, and the added benefit, of course, that we've now actually dealt with something that may be always there with us. Uh, we've dealt with it in a better way. We can carry it in a better way or let it go or whatever else we need to do uh, in that better way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, it's wonderful. Uh, I literally could just chat to you for hours, but uh, you know, the, you, you don't have that much time and I think they'll kick me off air eventually if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> thank you for all the work that you've done in this book, You're Not Broken. I'm sure that it's going to continue to impact so many people. Um, we're big believers in uh, giving that hope and that positivity for people. Uh, through this radio station and what occurs. And so thank you for for doing that for so many as uh, the work you've done and through this book. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you so much. Dr. Sarah Woodhouse, she's the author of the book, You're Not Broken Here on 89.9 The Light.